Are you ready? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> John Peckman Podcast. Connecticut Valley School of Music and Dance. Beautiful downtown Portland, Connecticut. Come over the bridge. One satellite. Start looking left. You're watching on YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Hit the bell. Get alerts. Tell all your friends. Come here. Be on the show with me. Listen after. Dave will tell you how to have your very own show here in our beautiful podcast. I'm getting better. I hear how tight that was. You were here with Bobby Anderson. I feel like I know you. Yes, you do. You know? Yeah. Mutual. I don't know that we've officially done this, but a lot of mutual acquaintances, which we will yes. get to. So this is going to be a, I, I, I don't know what this it's is. It's a reunion of sorts. Of sorts, yes. And yes, a we're reacquaintance. Gonna, we're going to connect, connect the dots, like we say. And a new deep friendship. Yeah. Right? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Definitely. So drummer. Yes. Primarily. That's where we're going to start. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll start there. Yeah. Okay. Um, where, give us, give us at least a preview of where we're going to go. So we're going to start as drummer. Right. And yeah. then, and then we're going to morph into record store guy. Okay. And then from there, we're going to get, become a distribution guy. Oh. And then from there, a label guy. Hey. Then after that, we're going to become an entrepreneur. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. All and right. then wind up in radio. So it's going to be like 360. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. All right. Chapter one. I was born in Nubritsky. Hey, oh, all right. Hey, yeah. Nubritsky. Wow. That's right heavy. the Polish section there. Yeah. Nice. 60 Lion Street. Oh, okay. Second floor of a three family. Not that familiar. Grandparents no. left down, lived downstairs. Of course. Aunt and uncle lived on the third floor. Nice. We were in the middle. Beautiful. You know? Yep. So I was there for five years and then we moved uh, from New Britain to Cheshire. Okay. Sure. Yep. Cheshire, Connecticut. That's where I started taking piano lessons, John. And uh, Joe Gaitani was my teacher. Okay. Came to the house every Wednesday. I hated it. Still around? Probably uh, not. You know, not sure about that. Not sure about that. But I just remember like looking out the window and seeing his car pull up. Going like, oh, man. Oh, boy. I Your knuckles hurt already. because you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus, he was like a short guy. He had glasses and he had like the hairiest fingers I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Maybe he was a werewolf. You know, that's one yeah, of the things. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, you know, I'm five years old. My dad was a piano player. Okay, I was My grandfather say. was a drummer and a violinist. Oh, right? boy. So I kind of had it in the blood a little bit, but I didn't really get the concept of, like, putting three notes together. Yeah, yeah. Like you have triangle. siblings like, that, that did this, or you're the only? Uh, yes, my older brother, Gary. Okay. He was also forced to take piano lessons. Oh. So, so, yeah. So then um, he veered off into guitar. Okay. And then... My dad, who was really a jazz musician, oh wow, loved Oscar Peterson, yeah, loved you know Brubeck, sure, loved Basie, all those guys. He took me to see Brubeck on the New Haven Green. Wow, he mm. was the opening act. Wow, for the New Haven Arts Festival. Wow, yeah, and this I should have been what year? Sixty-three. Okay. And I saw Joe Morello play for the Yeah, first right. Time. Yeah, yeah. That's got to do something to you. And it knocked me out. Yeah, basically. yeah, sure. So, <laughs> and actually, one of the things that he did was, for a solo, he took his snare drum on a stand and his, his seat out to the middle of the stage, and he did a solo by himself with one stick. Whoa. Yeah, sure. Left-handed. Why not? Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was completely inspiring. Yeah. To me. So I said, you know what? I'm going to switch from piano to drums. Cool. And your dad was that like, was okay. Moment. Yeah, he was Because he, he kind of played drums. Yeah. Kind of, so he's he like, needed a drummer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, wow. yeah, that was in Cheshire. It's a good so, way to get it, Joe yeah, Morello. Yeah. Yeah. So then I joined the band. You know, I started taking drum lessons in high school, in junior high school, actually. Okay. 
didn't have a great teacher, but then my folks knew that I was serious about it. Yep. So they started getting me private lessons sure. in Meriden. Okay. At Jimmy Ozzolino's Music Box. I don't know. I've heard other people talk about that. Where was it? It was right on the main drag there, I guess. I'm yeah, not really I grew sure. up in Wallingford. But yeah. Yeah. And so that mom would spot. take me there every Wednesday, and I would take my uh, drum lesson. And Ozzolino, he was, it was a record store and an yep. instrument store, basically, but he had all the drums upstairs. Wow. You know, long, long store. Sure. Set after set after set after set of drums, and it was like, yeah, wow. Like heaven, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And my teacher was a guy by the name of uh, Johnny Obalon. Oh, yeah, of course. Sure. Okay. Who Makes taught sense in the Meriden School. Sure. That's right. Right. So, yep. so John was my teacher wow. all the way through high school. Oh, great. So I studied with him for six years. Hey, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those things, you know, where I was just totally hooked. Yeah. And my folks never had to tell me to practice or anything like that. I was just totally motivated by, you know, what I was doing. So, so I have to say that, that Johnny was my mentor. Wow. He so really you was. came more jazz than rock and roll or both? Or yeah, both? much more. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, much more jazz than. Yeah. Well, he's the guy. He's he was the guy. The guy yeah. And his, his, uh, his wife played B3. Yep. Yep. So, uh, and they yep. were monsters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two of them together. Of yeah. I grew up with, with Jim, the son. Yeah. You know, yeah. Monster. Beyond so Monster. Beyond Monster, yeah. right, yeah. So funny story about Jim. So I saw that Jim was playing. I didn't meet him personally, but I saw that he was playing at the Owl Shop. Sure. In New Haven. So I went to one of his gigs. He's playing with his trio. And uh, I met him, you know, after the show and said, hey, Jim, you know, I'm Bob Anderson. And sure. your dad was an incredible drummer, you know, and an amazing teacher for me. And just wanted to say thanks because he was fantastic. Sure. My mentor. And Jim said, well, would you be interested in buying his drums? Oh, wow. So yeah. I said, sure, of course. How about you that? Because yeah. at this point, basically, I'd opened the uh, <clears throat> Krusty Tubbs, which we'll get to a little bit later. But The what? Krusty Tubbs, the drum store that I've Oh, right. Okay. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I said, sure. So, so I bought his dad's drums, and they're set at 1973, blue and olive badge, Ludwig's Ooh. Mach 5, Eesh. silver, silk, finish. Wow. Yeah. You got a picture? And a super sensitive. Yeah. Uh, yeah somewhere. Somewhere, we'll yeah. There. So they're sitting in, in my basement. Wow. And Jim was happy because he wanted to keep them in the family. That's an honor. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So there you go. So, yeah, uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's so cool. that uh, so that's great. So everything kind of goes in circles. Full right? circle. Yeah. So. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, yeah. So start playing out. Start playing in bands. What's the deal? Start playing in bands. So uh, since my brother was a guitar player, you know, back in Cheshire now, I, I grew up a street away from Vic and Christine. Oh, okay. All right. And um, so now we're starting to play, you know, in bands a little bit. And, yep. you know, I know when Vic was on, he mentioned the Trippers was his first band. I'm probably one of the few people that actually remember the Trippers. Oh, re oh wow. That's heavy. And his band, like our band, had two guitar players. Oh boy, no bass player. Wow, so it'd be kind of a thing at the time, actually. Yeah, right, right. right. It's just a thing because there's no bass players. There's no bass players, right? <laughs> it's not like on purpose thing. So it's just yeah, a we thing. had we had two lead singers and we had two guitar players and I was the drummer. The yeah. band was called The Spectacles. Okay, and um, we're playing around Cheshire and things of that nature. You know, winning a couple of you know <laughs> battles of the bands, and kind of getting out there like this is the gigging thing. You know, so eventually Joe, who was our one of the singers, went out and bought a hacks from two bass and. Gibson Atlas uh, amp. Yeah. And now we're in business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Finally, bass yeah. player. You were the first band around. Oh man, 
Spectacles have a bass player. Right. <laughs> yeah. That was a big Boom. deal. Right? <laughs> it ruined the thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So that was that was a lot of fun. So yeah, so when I first started gigging, you know. Yeah. And um there was a scene, some kind of scene. There was a little scene, you know. And I have to tell you, you know, like playing these gigs at the youth center and stuff like that, it was a lot of fun, but also I got a chance to see some really, really great bands too, and especially the Wild Weeds mm. with Al, you know. And that band to me was just like the epitome of a blue-eyed soul oh. rock band. And not only their original stuff, but the covers they were doing, Temptations covers and Four Top stuff. I can only imagine. Yeah. It, it was just unbelievable seeing yeah. them live. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So I inspiring. Bet. Yeah, I bet. And see, you know, what Al's doing today with Jim Chapdelaine. Yeah. Is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so. but yeah, talk about full circle. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've always been an Al fan, but, you know, second generation kind of. But uh -huh. yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. So then after I left uh, Cheshire, I went to UVM for a year. I was studying music theory there. Okay. And I didn't really like it. I was away from my drums. Oh, boy. And I decided to transfer to Berkeley. Okay. Which I did. So I transferred to Berkeley in Boston, and I was in instrumental performance. Okay which was a professional diploma program. Imagine that. Yeah. And that's where I met Jim Chapdelaine. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. <clears throat> this is all making sense now. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there you are. Oh, that's right. We talked about this. Yeah. 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 So you, Jim's, okay. So Jim and I, you, you know, uh, got into a band together called Tunnel Vision. Okay. And um, a lot of optical, the spectacles, Tunnel Vision, <laughs> the, the band called the Detached Retinas comes later, the Cataracts, right. whatever. Right. The Cataract 3, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. So anyway, so Jim and I played in that band for <clears throat> a little while. Tunnel Vision. Tunnel Vision. Did you did did you know him from back in Connecticut? No, I didn't. Wow, yeah. So I didn't. So honestly, I don't know how we met. Wow. If it was in an ear training class or yeah, an yeah. arranging class. Well, imagine that. Like then that. you figure out Al is in there, everything yeah. is in there. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, Jim got curtailed. Um, you know. When he, when he went up with his illness. That's what I hear. And yeah. uh, we were together at the time, actually. And I have to say, wow. you have to know Jim Chapdelaine, but the guy has got an incredible sense of humor. And throughout that entire time, John, yeah. he never lost that sense of humor. I can't, yeah. It was unbelievable, you know? It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So he wound up uh, moving back to Connecticut and, yep. and started gigging a lot, actually. Yep. And I wow. stayed in, in Boston. Yeah. Did you get that degree? No. Oh, boy. Three years. <laughs> I didn't wow. finish. Yeah. How come? Uh, folks got divorced. Okay. The funds ran out. Gotcha. And I started playing in bands. Okay. Uh, you did get your degree, just not yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. So at one point, we were all kind of, you know, we were renting these big houses up and around Boston. We would move every year. Yeah, yeah. We'd never stay in the same place for two years, basically. So every year, we'd move to another big yeah, house. Yeah. You know, six of us. Wow, ten that's of us. exciting. It was exciting. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we're playing in bands, basically, um, all on food stamps. Yeah, sure. You know, nobody's making any money right. at all. But you're rocking and rolling. But we're rocking and rolling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're having some fun. And so then I wound up, I had to get a gig, basically. So I wound up applying at the Harvard Coop. Okay. In Harvard Square. Okay, wow. And I started there as a floater, just as a cashier. Yeah, yeah. You know, just trying to make ends meet. And they had an opening in the record department. Hey. So I flew down there and I said, hey, I'm the guy for the yeah, job. Me. Right? And uh, the manager said I was going to give me a test. Okay. And he said, what were the three record labels that John Coltrane recorded for? Oh. I know. 
I'm, I have my guess, but I'm going to tell you if I'm right. I'm, I'm not going to say them out loud. All right. All so right. I said, um, well, I know that he was, most of his stuff was on Impulse. Sure. And I said, I know that he did a bunch of stuff on Blue Note. Okay. No, I'm already wrong. And I said, I also think he did some stuff on Prestige. That would have been one of my guesses. And he said, you got the gig. Really? That was it. You got all three of them. I got all well, three. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't have gotten that So gig. I got the well, gig as the hey. jazz bar. Whoa. Just like that. Just what? like that. Well, I mean, that that's legit though, right? Yeah. I mean, you you know, you would have to know that. Yeah. Well, I was collecting, you know, I was collecting a lot of jazz. So he just figuring out that, you, okay, you must have a Coltrane collection. So Yeah, which I did, you know. And actually, when I was at UVM for that year, I had all my jazz albums with me. Yeah, yeah. Dolphy Records and Roland Kirk Records oh, and Pharaoh yeah. Sanders Records. Yeah. And he just died. Pharaoh oh, Sanders I know. Died like unfortunately, last week yeah. Or something. Everybody else on my floor, John, Grateful Dead, and the Allman Brothers. Right, so you're like the jazz cat. You're the jazz cat. I'm like the weird guy. Yeah. You Was know? Jim a jazz cat? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I figured yeah, he as might As a matter of fact, his, I think his favorite album at the time when we were at Berkeley together was um, Basic Miles. Oh. Uh, Miles Davis. Uh, it was actually kind of a compilation, but uh, it had a version of Stella by Starlight on it. Okay. That was Jim was enthralled by that. Oh wow! Actually. Okay. I remember Jim that. doing an arrangement, yeah, yeah. A guitar arrangement of that of that. Uh, tune That's cool for Berkeley. One so of you're the jazz cat now. You got the gig at the at yeah the, uh, yeah. So I'm the jazz cat at, at the Harvard Coop four stores in Boston, wow. nationally known account because full catalog stores. Wow. I had no limits to, in terms of open and buy. I could buy whatever I wanted, wow. any quantity. Wow. And you know records were popping, so we were yeah, doing. Yeah. 90% vinyl. Wow. About 10% cassette. And you just kind of figure what people's buying. How did was it done back then? You just wrote it down. It's all written down on a on a clipboard. Yeah. yeah. So somebody all on a clipboard. And you have to kind of yeah, make a thing. We yeah. need more of these, less of these. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So it was a lot of fun actually. <clears throat> it was a crash course for me because I learned so much. Yeah, I, bet. I did it for 5 years. And I did it full-time for two years, John, and then my band, wow. I was playing in a different band up there called the Magnetos, and oh. the band was doing great. Okay. So I was actually gigging with them a couple nights a week. Okay. Right? We were doing three-nighters in, up in Maine. Sure. And so I decided to cut back my hours, so I became a 30-hour-a-week guy at the Coop, mm. still having the jazz buyer wow. responsibility. So it was great because I had the best of both worlds. Yeah. And the cool thing about it was that you know, since you're working in a record store <clears throat> and a high-profile one at that, it's like you got tickets for every show that came through Boston. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're the so guy. We were going out, you know, every, every night to the Jazz Workshop and Paul Small and wow. Boston Garden. So you saw it all. We saw it all at the wow. time, you know. Not only jazz, but all the pop stuff. That That's heavy. Rock stuff. It was great. It wow. was so a you lot were of fun. right where you wanted to be. I was in the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really in That's the sweet exciting. spot. That's exciting. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, I have wow. to say, you know. Unfortunately, there's no more record stores, so you yeah. can't do that anymore, you know. But the other thing was that it, it was a springboard to get into a record company. Because mm. at the time, this is in the early 80s, all of the record companies had local offices. Okay. So they had branch offices in all the major cities. Sure. Right? Because retail was all spread out. Yep. So, you know, there were accounts in Boston, there were sure. accounts in Connecticut. So you started thinking, <clears throat> hey. What's next? So I was meeting all these guys that were, in, you know, sales guys and merchandisers, marketing yeah. people, promotion people. And they're trying to schmooze you. They're trying to schmooze me, right? Because I'm buying. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. But, um, you know, so uh, whenever I would hear of a job opening, I would call the branch manager and say, hey, I'm interested in a job. So wow. I interviewed for a different couple of different companies and didn't get the gig. <coughs> Excuse me. And then I wanted to. Did you want to leave the coop or you just. I did. You were. Yeah. It was getting getting to be time. It was going to be time. Okay. Yeah. So. So it was, As five, these it things was five years. Yeah. Yeah. So you're uh, interviewing with companies. Did you uh, inter <coughs> interview with the three that Coltrane? Uh, Impulse and Blue Note and <coughs> what was the other one? Prestige. Prestige. <laughs> Excuse me. No. None of those. But I did an interview with Warner's and CBS oh. and Polygram. Wow. And I wound up getting a gig with Polygram. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, that's cool. So, What's um, the title? Like, how do you... Yield Merchandiser. Okay. What's that? It was spending my life in my car, basically. It was... I had six states under my... Wow. All of New responsibility. England. Responsibility. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And um, I was going out, visiting stores, uh -huh. putting up displays, yeah. checking stock. Wow. You know, and actually they would assign some accounts for me to sell. So okay. I started selling at the time as well. Mostly wow. mom and pop accounts. Wow. You know, but Polygram at the time was the major distributor for classics. Okay. Which are Gramophone, Phillips, and London. They had the big three, basically. Okay. So now I was kind of a crash course in classics. Wow. I really didn't know that much about yeah, classics. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I found the best way to sell. Were you disappointed? You wanted to be the jazz guy, or you were just sort of like, all right, oh, no, I'll learn we had this. Verve as well. We had big, uh, we had Verve. Uh, oh wow, label as well. A lot of Japanese imports yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So we had we had a little bit of share of jazz, but no, no, no. So it was great uh, because it was mostly the pop stuff that I was working. Okay, you know, at the time it was Bon Jovi and okay, and this Beth so Leopard this is what year? John Cougar. This is 1984. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, wow. So, yeah. So you just out there on the road. So I'm out there on the road. Still playing. Doing my stuff. Still playing. Wow. Yeah. And actually, it's funny because I didn't want my boss to find out that I was playing. Really? It's like I had to keep my life secret. Wow. So I was gigging. Why? Because it would be like a conflict, I thought. Okay. Maybe it's just my imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, I was kind of like I said, I can't let them know that I'm out gigging. He never asked you if you were a musician? No. Wow. <laughs> but some of the people that I work with came out and saw our gigs. Oh, no. You know? So... But they never let on. But anyway, my boss, he was a good guy. His name was Lefty. Okay. Like typical record guy, right? Yeah, right, I guess. But no, he was he a was good guy. But, you know, at the time, it was all retail. No first or last name, just Lefty. That's it. His <laughs> name's Lefty. It's a boy. His name. We'll name him Lefty. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Lefty from Boston. Yeah, hey. You know. So it was good, though. It was good. So, yeah, so I was doing both. Wow. And That's so, crazy. Yeah. I, re I really loved it. I was really, really... Again, I was in the sweet spot, but doing now, it. now on the other side. Yeah. Because I'm now the guy walking into record stores with promos. And okay. It's like, hey, man, I need that window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I got rainbow coming through town. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's like you have to grease the hand a little bit. Yeah. You know, not payola or anything like right. that. Right. But <laughs> well, do I want to know? <laughs> no, um, but it was you know, that was yeah. part of the gig, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was fun. So I spent a lot of time in my car driving around. Yeah. Record store after record store after record store. Wow. Hey, I'm Bob from Polygram. Got a couple of displays to put up. Sure thing. Here's a couple of things for you to play in store. Blah yep. blah blah. Yep. You know, and then I was like I said, I started selling, which was great. So Wow. I found my the best tactic for selling classical music was to listen to what the buyers had to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> and let them speak because certainly 
they knew a lot more about it than I did. I see. So I'd walk in with a new Herbert von Karajan album. Okay. And they'd be like, wow. Oh, it's wow. Unbelievable. It's another Beethoven ninth. Wow. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's great. So you just. <laughs> How many would you like? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So you're just figuring it out, letting yeah. them tell you, but yeah. then acting like you know, kind of, a yeah. little bit. Huh. So anyway, yeah. So, um, so you're doing it. So I'm doing it. So that's when I became a label guy. Wow. Wow. Do you want to? Is this. Should the, I do it? Should yeah, I, is this should the we time? Unveil? Yeah, why not? Or you have to tell me if the whole thing shows up or not. How, yeah, I will. How okay. old is that shirt? Is that from back then? Uh, no, it's actually, uh, is, it, is it there? Yeah. Abel? Yeah, label, label? guy. Go, go the other way. This way. <laughs> go this way. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, there you go. It says label guy. He's the label guy. Right. Yeah, yeah. You could just have that. Did you do that back in the day? No, so this was actually... Show up at uh, gigs. You could just show up with that shirt and get in anywhere. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's actually... This this was actually for a video shoot. Oh, okay. And this is years later <clears throat> when I worked for BMG for Bertelsmann Music Group. Wow. And they were shooting videos, kind of training videos. Okay. And they needed a, a label guy. Uh-huh. And so this is my outfit. Oh, I got you. For the just video. To, just to, yeah, right. this is this. To yeah. distinguish me from the retail guy. Oh. Or the distribution guy. Right. So, so this is instead I of having. I was the label guy. Right, right. Yeah, that's cool. What'd they do? What happened in the video? Label guy. Like was, Joe Walsh was, comes over and <laughs> blasts champagne in your face or something. No, it was about kind of protocol. Okay. Like protocol things for the distribution company. Like these are the things that you do. These are the things that the label guy does. Wow. Did you, you know? get any of that training? No. Yeah, right. It's all, you know, training is, is on-the-job training. Yeah, yeah. There is no training. You remember your first day. You're like, I'm going out to a record store. I'm going to walk in, and I got to... I got to yeah. make something happen with these people. Well, I had, you know, been on the other end, on the receiving end for oh, five I got years. You. Did you actually know some of the people that you were now trying to hustle, I guess, or whatever? Did you know any of them or no? Not I really. I knew some of them because, you know, at the time, not only the record companies, but I mean, the record companies were really close friendship-wise. Oh, okay. So it was it was not a big deal, like if Warner's was having a ZZ Top party someplace. Yeah that people from other record companies would show up. I got you. And, you know, have a few drinks or whatever. Try to get in Dusty Hill's ear and yeah, tell them, yeah, hey, man. Yeah, exactly. So there was, <laughs> there was like, everybody kind of knew each other. It was yeah, like yeah. a fraternity wow. of record companies. Wow. You know, so it was very friendly. Yeah. Comp it, was, it was competition, you know, but it was still very friendly. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. So everybody kind of knew each other. That's wild. And then I would just, you know, develop a relationship with store managers, basically. Sure. And, uh, sure. Why you know, not? Spend the one day big party, Providence, you know, and then go to Hartford the next day, and then yeah. to one big party. Yeah. Wow. Well, it was it was worth kind, kinda. Wow. Know, so that's exciting. Yeah, that's it, cool. it was great, and it, you know, unfortunately, there's there's that was a, a really easy way of getting into a record company because record stores, I see, you know, were where you met. So you kind of followed the a path in a yeah, way. Yeah, and Oof. a lot of the guys that I worked with. At the coop became very successful record executives. Actually. Hey, yeah. there you go. Yeah, so that was a good. What do you call it? Good Tr stepping uh, stone. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah a field yeah. for people. To Probably run. the most cool. famous is a guy by the name of Jeff Jones. Okay, and Jeff was the rock buyer when I was the jazz buyer. Okay, and Jan Jeff went on to various marketing jobs at different labels, primarily within CBS. 
became head of the catalog division at Sony. Okay. Legacy, Sony Legacy. And then he got hired by Apple. Oh. Not the computer company, but yeah. the label. Yeah, sure. And he's now overseeing Apple Music. Oh. On behalf of Wow. Yeah, Paul sure. McCartney. So they're involved in all the all the reissues. Yeah. Yeah, so he's doing the films. He's working on the films and also doing the reissues. Hey, that's cool. Yeah, so matter of fact, they're reissuing Revolver. I oh, think, I know. The next one. You, oh, yeah. God. Oh, dude, I, I pre-ordered so hard. Oh, you I did? I strained my finger. Yeah, so I'm what just is it, like four albums and... We don't have time to talk about right, okay. it. Yeah, but they... Yeah, it's... Uh, how big a Beatles do you know the whole thing? Whatever. They... No, you'd have to tell me. They can remix. Yeah. There's been new technology now recently developed because of Peter Jackson taking the camera audio of Let It Be and turning it into beautiful stereo. They developed an artificially intelligence they can extract. So they can remix tracks that were folded in like Revolver. They would take a four-track machine and mix three tracks down to one. Yeah they were able to now extract all of those and reconstruct a mix. Right. So it's, it's cutting edge crazy. Like um, when they started the campaign with Sergeant Pepper, like in 2017, we thought that they would never be able to remix anything early than Pepper because Sergeant Pepper, you have to stop me. They were using (laughs) two machines. So they were filling four onto one track. Mm -hmm. Well, they found the original four track. So they were able to unfold everything to remix Pepper and then they went forward from there because they could. And it was always like, so you can't do anything before Pepper. It was like, no. And then all of a sudden, this technology emerged because of Let It Be yeah. that you're able to remix. And then, you know, they asked Giles Martin, George Martin's son, so right. should we expect everything before that? And he's like, well, the technology exists, but you wow. can't say anything. So yeah. anyway. Wow. I yeah. just wasted. Yeah. Minutes. So that's Jeff. Uh, wow. That's my, exciting. My, my good he knows all about it. He knows all about it. Yeah. yeah, he's a terrific guy. He's a real down to earth guy, and just cool. He's he's great. Wow. Yeah, so that's he, amazing. He did okay. Yeah, did that's right. kind of wild. Yeah. Did you um, at any point did you did you still feel like, did you have musical aspirations, and did you feel like were you still a musician and this was just your side thing or like how how do you Yeah, it's one of those things where. Uh, like, did you just realize I'm a label guy now who plays music or am I a musician who works for a label? Well, I'm always a musician. Okay. Yeah, I guess just that's, that's in my blood, basically. Yeah, yeah. The issue was that, you know, I worked for Polygram for three years. Okay. And then I was making $14,000 a year. Yeah, right. Well, back then. But playing also. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was, playing, sure. I was getting uh, money by playing gigs. And then RCA called me we yep. had an opening for a similar position to what i was doing sure it was seventeen thousand dollars in a company car yeah right oh, what yeah. would you do yeah right okay i took the gig hello rca yeah so that was yeah. that was 84 yeah wow. and uh yeah because at the time rca owned hertz corporation so they had a sweetheart deal with rental cars gotcha so everybody in the company had a hertz rental car hey so anyway so i took the who gig. was on rca back then it was, uh, well, it was actually RCA, A&M, and Arista. Okay. But RCA, Springfield, Rick Springfield, was probably one of the biggest acts at the time. On Arista? No, 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 on RCA. Okay, okay. On RCA, wow. yeah. 
All right. Yeah. So he he was really hitting it <clears throat> at the time, actually. But they also had A and M Records. Okay. So they had the Police and sure. Go Go's and sure. Joe Jackson, sure. all the great stuff, yep. and the yep. IRS stuff, REM, and in Aristo it was had a deal with Jive Records. So they had Billy Ocean and Samantha Fox and uh, a lot of hip hop stuff. Okay. Early hip hop stuff. Okay. Right. Yeah. As well as the stuff that Clive Davis was doing. Wow. You know. Okay. Hollow Notes. Actually, yeah. Notes. So so anyway. Oh right. It okay. Was the three labels. You know, that's when col- consolidation really started beginning in the record okay. business. You yep. know, because in Boston, when I was there, there were six major distribution companies. Mm. Yeah, there was Polygram, there was WEA, WEA, Warner's, there was so- Sony, there was okay. CBS at the time, yep. uh, EMI, mm-hmm. which was Capital, basically. And um, am I missing one? Anyway, there were six, yeah. basically. And then, you know, as the record business was maturing, yep. all the smaller independent labels started getting eaten up. Sure. You know, and bought for big bucks. Yep. And, um, you know, now there are three majors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, oh, MCA was the other one. So, um, you know, it's now it's Universal, which yep. owns MCA and Warners. Yep. And Sony. Wow, that's so it. three, yeah. Wow. So anyway, I went to RCA in 84, and then five months later, a sales gig opened in New York City. And my boss said, are you interested? And I said, yeah. So I flew to New York and wow. interviewed for the gig, and I wound up getting the gig. Wow. Begin and the New York uh, City adventure. Now all of a sudden I'm in New York, you know, and I'm selling. I'm a sales rep, actually, full-time sales rep. So wow. kind of moved up a notch in the ladder. Yeah, that's cool. And in your my, Hertz my car? my head's spinning. Yeah, yeah. I had to give up the car, actually. because oh. You're not on the road. No, I was on the road actually. So no, you're right. I didn't give up the car. As a matter of fact, I got a Cutlass Supreme, <laughs> <laughs> which for some reason we called it the Ghetto Cruiser. But anyway, right. And the license plate was Liberal Guy. Yeah, you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. But no, I so I did have a company. Yeah, I did have a company car. But I was but um, so I was living in the Holiday Inn in 57th Street. Wow. For about six weeks, kind of getting my feet wet. Yeah. You know. And then I wound up having to go to New Jersey to pick up this company car. You had to quit your band. So that is, it, you know, back to your question. So now I'm a full-time record guy. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not playing. Yeah. They got you for three more grand in the company car. They got you to quit the your, your <laughs> right. dream. Right. So, Damn. you know. But thankfully, that only lasted 30 years. Oh. oh. Wow. So, yeah. So um, Wow. So uh, the record business in New York, you know, in the 80s, sure. mid-80s was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there were sharks in Boston for sure, but the real sharks lived in New York. Wow. They're there waiting for you. They're waiting for me. Wow. Yeah. So, you know. That's I, exciting. It's, it was exciting, yeah. Did you, it, you made it. Like I kind of made it, yeah. That, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Was, you know? It was kind of like. Did you think you were. You didn't know. You just, I'm just going to do this, and we're going to sink or You know swim. what? It's funny because my I, I had a great uh, step. People fail. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you did it. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Well, it's funny because when I was thinking about taking the gig, I, I have a great stepfather. Uh, he passed away. But anyway, he was a Bronx firefighter. Okay. was his career. He was a real yeah, yeah. salt-of-the-earth guy. And I said, Al, <laughs> i got to make a decision. You know, stay in Boston where I'm like, you know, sure. having an unbelievable time playing bands. Yeah, big fish in a, a small pot. Right, pond, right. Kind of. Or move to New York and be like the little guy, the new guy. And he said, Bob, you ain't going to do it any younger. Wow. And I said, you know what? You're right. And you weren't settled down at this point. So no, I was still like, single. Yeah, so you were just like, whatever. 
And so, yeah, so, you know, it was, it was terrific. Wow. Uh, the, the record business in New York was total mafia. Oh, really? Especially RCA. Wow. I can't speak on behalf of the other record companies, but RCA was total. In what way? Mafia in the business or mafia, you just had to deal with them? To get mafia the in, in, the, in the way that if, you're, if your name was Italian, you had a much better chance of success. Whoa. Versus wow. Anderson. Sure. Like, who's a Swedish guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, um, so it was really. So what you have to do? You have to whack someone to get. Uh, no, you look actually, at these tropes. You had to be loyal um, to one, yeah, family or the other, basically. Really? Yeah. So the guy who hired me actually came from Boston, so I immediately kind of became his guy because I came from Boston as well. Whoa. So I was on the Boston family side versus the New York side. Oh, so you're the interloper. I'm the interloper. Anderson. I was the new guy. Wow. You know, I was the new guy for like, I don't wow. know, two, three years. Wow. Something like that. And, but, and, but you, you dug in. I just, oh, I dug in. Absolutely. Wow. Had to, you had to, you had no choice. Man, that's you know? crazy. Was there any false move that would have gotten you a dirt nap or something? I wonder, is your life in uh, danger? The stakes are not that high. The stakes are not that high, but there was a lot of dirty stuff going on. Oh. I have to say. Right. Yeah. Like crazy stuff. Yeah. You know. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, I guess that's for another time. Yeah, was, yeah. Was, I just it was interesting. Curious. So yeah, so wow. I dug in, and yeah, so now I'm away from my instrument again. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so. Just like at Berkeley, or or at before Berkeley. Before Berkeley, yeah. When I was at UVM, yeah. Same deal, you know. Yeah. But I said, hey, I'm still a musician. You know, that's that's part of me. Yeah. So, so um, anyway, so then I started uh, working for. RCA and um, kind of just was in the right place at the right time. And I survived a lot of the different transitions that took place in terms of senior management. A lot of people got blown out. Oh, okay. For different reasons. Wow. And I kind of had the ability to evade that stuff and kind of work around. Pur so purposely? Purpo or, or well, purposely. Luck or both? It was one of those things where, you know. You saw, you're you, smart enough to see you know, things. You coming. know which side you're on, basically. You know who's who's actually driving, right? Who's making the decisions, yeah. things of that nature. You have to recognize that. But also, you have to be very cautious, you know. I, I guess, right? right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So you had a head for it. I had a head for you it. You could yeah. see the big picture yeah. and, and just figure out how you're going to. Yeah. And, yeah. it, and it worked out for me because a, a lot, lot of people, people watched that out. I was, you know, kind of had an alliance with were the ones that survived. Wow. So they got me to the next position, you know. Mm. So after being a sales rep, I was a sales rep there for three years. Uh, they had a shift in terms of management, and I became the New York branch manager. Wow. So all of a sudden, you know, I had 12 people reporting to me. Wow. Versus having none reporting to me. Before. Yeah, yeah. So actually... It turned into a manager position. Um, and it was great. At the time, I was probably 34, something wow. like that. And uh, so I think I was the youngest branch manager in the country. Hey. And in New York, that's where RCA was headquartered. So they were in the same building as us on 44th Street and 6th Avenue. Arista Records was on 57th Street. Yeah. So they were right down the block. A&M Records were in Hollywood, basically. Okay. But we were, you know, the distribution company for those three labels. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of in the hot seat. Because 
at the time, it's all physical product, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about record stores. And what happened <gasps> is a record executive from a label would come in from out of town for a show. They'd go to the bottom line. They'd walk over to Tower Records, 4th and Broadway, and they wouldn't find the record. Right. This is a problem. This is a problem. Yeah, sure. So I, I had to, fe- you know, field a lot of those types of situations. Wow. And the thing about it is that... And you're the guy that gets the gets, I, gets put the on gets blast. Call, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it, it all, you know, it basically, Yikes. you know, it's yeah. not the sales guy is going to get the call. It's going to be the branch manager. So, you know, you have wow. to finesse those get a step situations. ahead. You got to be ahead. You got to be ahead of it. And you also have to finesse the situations and be politically correct because you don't want to piss off the record executive. Okay. Who came in for the show, basically. Right. Because it's going to go to the top. Wow. You know, in my. So that's company. true management. You're dealing with. Yeah. Wise guys down here and trying to massage these guys up here. Yeah. There you are. Yeah. But, you know, everything we did was, you know, on behalf of the artist, basically. That was really kind of rule, rule number one. So it was really, that was the passion, you know. So not only was I driven by, you know, doing well in terms of sales and we had forecasts and quota and all that stuff, yeah. and business plan, but it was also about building a relationship with the artists, you know. And I always felt that I had an advantage because I was a musician. Yeah, that was so going to be my question. So I speak to them on their own terms. Okay. Know? And I was never starstruck okay. by anybody. I got you. You know, yeah. except for one time. Uh-oh. And I wasn't a musician, though. It was a, it was a prize fighter by the name of Lennox Lewis. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh-oh, what happened? Came into the building once with one of the artists. Oh, boy. We had a rap artist on the roster. His name was Too Short. Yep. And, and Short brought in Lennox Lewis. Wow. And I had seen Lennox Lewis fight once before in Las Vegas. Whoa. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's he was like the pretty guy. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's six, seven, maybe? Yeah, know, wow. Six, eight. Imagine that. He's, he's enormous, but he's also a really great-looking guy. And I shook his hand, and I said, I can't believe I'm shaking this guy's hand. That, yeah, to yeah. me, was crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was the one time wow. that I was really kind of starstruck. Wow. Meanwhile... Yeah. Barry Manilow standing there, and it's you're fun. like, whatever, yeah, Barry, <laughs> whatever. What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, did you, were, did you surprise yourself? Like, what, what do you, what abilities do you think you had that allowed you to? Did, were you surprised that you could maneuver in this, or were you, you just kind of doing it as you go and just going, okay? Like, did you know you were good at good at it? Like, how? Is, it's a weird question, but you know, like, did you surprise yourself or were you like, I got this? I never, like, what do you think it is that you have that other people kind of washed out? And you, when you said being a musician, probably you're able yeah. to keep your cool. Yeah. And I think that's it. Um, because the one thing that people would always say to me was that no matter how crazy it gets, mm-hmm. you always seem to be calm. Wow. How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? You know, and and me, it just became kind of, I don't know, that's my mantra or whatever, you know. Just be cool. Yeah. But I would, you know, you're in a marketing meeting with 30 people, basically. Yeah. And you're in the hot seat. Mm. And They want to know why wasn't this exactly. in the store. Yeah. They, they want to know what are you shipping. Yeah, yeah. What's the number? Wow. And what's the first week sales going to look like? What's wow. your prediction? You know, and what's going to happen next week? Wow. You, you know, have to have an answer. You have to have an answer. Whether you even know the answer. 
Well, that's the thing, because I worked with a lot of very sharp people, you know, um, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of baggage about record companies and the major companies and all that stuff. And I'm I'm sure there's been a, you know, tremendous amount of bad deals made in the past. And, you know, people have made, you know, bad decisions or whatever. And, you know, artists have gotten ripped off. Yeah. However, there's another side to the record business, which is a very mature business, and it's a very smart business as well. So, you know what became the way the business evolved really was a matter of survival number one yeah but also was about new technology mm. right mm. and how you introduce ne- new technology mm-hmm. For, like i said earlier when i started it was vinyl mm. and then we transitioned to cd mm. that was a that was a crazy transition yeah 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 because yeah. especially and they made it and we made it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but um and then, you know, we transitioned from that into digital, which was a whole nother crazy transition from a consumer experience yeah. as well as yeah. an artist experience. Yeah. Like, how do I get paid now? What do you mean? There's no yeah. transaction. There's We're a still digital, trying to figure that it's out. an MP3. Yeah. And now streaming, obviously, you know, which is a whole nother situation. So you had to, you had to kind of stay ahead of the curve in terms of what was happening gotcha. technologically speaking, but also have a good understanding for the music. And I think that's a key too. Because I think that there are a lot of people that got into the record business that really didn't have a good understanding. That's of what I was going to ask music. too. You know, is that in your experience? Yeah, less musicians. Uh, yeah, less musicians and less people that actually know kind of the technical side of, of music as well. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's that's it's, heavy. It's a mixture. You know. So you had the right mix. I had the right mix, just in terms of you know, my attitude was always you know what. If I fail, I mean, it's because nothing I did wrong, basically. I'm going to try to do the best I possibly can, you know. And you and, feel like you did. You took care of your part yeah. of it. And by nature, I'm a very competitive person, but I don't show it <laughs> outwardly. Uh-huh. But I like to compete. Okay. You know, so I was fortunate because after I became the branch manager, I started getting job offers from labels. Oh, okay. And I went to, I actually had three offers simultaneously. I had a label offer from A&M, one from... Uh, Polygram and another from RCA. Wow. I wound up staying with RCA basically. Okay. But that led to positions on the national staff there. So I became, you know, director of product development, wow. director of national sales, blah, 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 East Coast regional sales. Until finally, uh, in 1997, I got a call to join Jive Records okay. as the head of sales, wow. national sales. And at <clears> the time, they were the largest independent record company in the what world. What year is this? 97. Okay. And so I wound up taking the gig. And um, Clive Calder, who was the chairman there, uh, South African, very, very smart guy, um, really understood kind of a step ahead of what was happening in the, in the record business. Yeah. And he's the guy who spotted the Backstreet Boys, basically. Okay. And... I came in just as the pop explosion was starting to take place. Wow, yeah, sure. And so I worked wow. you know, with Britney Spears wow. and Backstreet Boys sure. early on yeah, before yeah. anybody in the United States actually knew about them. Wow. Because the Backstreet Boys actually blew up in Germany first. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, you know, uh, my new boss now called me and said, hey, I want to take you up to Montreal, see the Backstreet Boys. I'm like, who are these guys? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went to the Molson Arena in Montreal sold out arena yeah 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 
Like it's bound to happen. Screaming. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. seeing the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I'm sitting like in, you know, in the You're seeing the future. I'm seeing like this is crazy. All yeah, the parents yeah. are outside like waiting for the kids for the show to end. It's like yeah, yeah. nuts and the kids are going nuts and they all have signs and <laughs> like who are these guys? Yeah, you yeah. Know? And so um so I got a chance to be at the forefront of launching that pop explosion. Wow. So it was timing. It was really great timing wow. for me because, you know, you got sudden, lucky a bunch of times. We got lucky. Yeah. Wow. So, um, you know, so I stayed with Jive, uh, for the next 12 years. Wow. And, uh, until Clive sold the company to BMG. Wow. $2.7 billion. Oh, is that all? Yeah. So he did okay. Listen to Cayman Islands. He's got no, no yeah. there, you know, so. And that was when, did it all? So when, how did you? Are you still in it? How'd you get out of it? Out of the record business? Yeah. So I stayed in it. Um, so uh, again, a lot of consolidation. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And you still surviving? You're like still you're survived. Still. So basically, um, I had come from Bertelsmann because Bertelsmann had bought RCA Corporate. Okay. From GE, right? So okay. Bertelsmann Music Group. They had the record club here. Okay. Private German company, actually. So BMG uh, was distributing Jive Records. They weren't Jive was not owned by BMG, but they were our distribution company. Okay. So I was heading the sales. So I was directing the distribution company. Okay. On how to sell Jive Records, basically. Wow. Right. But you know, again, we were independent, wow. and so we tried to do everything opposite the way the majors did it. Okay. We called it major label disease. Okay. Like do everything you possibly can to avoid what a major label would do. Give me an example. Like, you know, a major label would check the box and say, hey, you know, we should do this particular television show. Or, you know, we should put this artist out on tour. Or we should come with the album first and then deliver a single. Whatever the case is in terms of the marketing plan. We always said, let's turn it upside down and do it do it a different way. Oh, wow. So let's try different things, actually. So yeah, it was right. a very entrepreneurial type of record company. Okay. And again, since it was owned by one guy. Yeah, yeah. There was no strings attached to a corporation. Oh wow! So he but just we had the cloud. So you could BMG. switch it up every time. Yeah, we could switch it up every time. Yeah, but we had the cloud of the distribution company of BMG Distribution. Okay, that that's what uh, RCA, A and M, and Aris turned into BMG Distribution. Okay. Then in two thousand three, they formed a joint venture with Sony Music, because wow. at that point, digital was taking place. Yeah. The record company at the bottom was kind of falling out. Yeah. There was file sharing going on. The record companies yep. were freaking out, saying, yeah. what are we going to do about Napster? And we better, you know, have the RIAA arrest these people who are <laughs> file sharing. And all that. It was crazy, stupid stuff that took place. What? The record companies shot themselves in the foot, basically. That's what I was going to ask. Plus, they're taking all the heat for the pricing of CDs at the same time. You know, Yeah, CD, they got, they got bucks, caught out. You know, yeah, you're right. So they got <sighs> nailed on a lot of different stupid things. And how did that all affect? Did you see that? Did anyone see that coming? File uh, sharing? Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. saw it? Yeah, yeah, we saw it coming, but... You couldn't... couldn't. They, but they made the wrong... Couldn't moves. restructure quick enough. Right. They tried content protection and, yeah. and all that type of stuff, and it was... Oh, damn. It was a nasty time, you know? Just technology moved too fast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, the bottom was kind of falling out of the record business at the time. You know, and so BMG said after five years, we're done. Whoa. You can have our half. So it, become yeah. a, it became 100%. So they just threw in the towel. They're they like, threw in the towel. But that. now they're back into business again. But anyway, uh, so now I'm a Sony employee. Wow. But I'm still the head of sales for RCA. 
Yeah. So that's crazy. It's kind of the way it worked. Wow. So all of a sudden you can't even tell who your people you were competing with. You're now working for, or it's all just, no, yeah, well, yeah, something well, like that. So what happened was when, when BMG bought Jive, mm-hmm. they actually merged, merged Jive with RCA. Okay. Oh, so okay. for a short time it was called RCA Jive. Okay. I became the head of sales. Right the combined label basically but i had all the jive artists still on my roster i knew all them yeah yeah but now i was getting introduced to the rca artists okay they were all different since you were there which, which were different yeah since i had been yeah. there they were all different actually because wow. it, was, it was clive davis's company at the time mm. so i worked for mr davis yeah wow. there were two different clives clive calder and clive davis i see wow and so um actually so i did that for six years i was head of sales uh for six years for rca uh, Clive had left the company not fully. Basically, he was still um, chairman emeritus. Okay, he was still overseeing A and R and a couple of projects like Jennifer Hudson and yeah. Barry Manilow and sure. Rod Stewart. So he was doing those, but uh, he was he had his office up on the BMG building there or the uh, Sony Music building. And so, uh, so I did that for six years, and in 2014, I left the company. Okay, in a restructuring. Wow, you're finally like, I'm going to get out now. Well, it was kind of a little bit of a push. Okay. So it was, but it was 30 years. Wow. Hey. From 84 to Golden handshake. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. You, you, uh, wow. So, but it was. So you're like, did you agree that it was time to go? Everybody, you were just kind of like. I kind of saw the cracks, you know. Yeah. And saying, you know. You didn't know know if you were going to make the the next thing. Yeah. It was one of those things and I was actually getting a little tired of it too. Okay. You know, but I have to say that career wise, yeah. it was the best thing that I could have done because huh. I was getting paid to listen to music. Hey. Wow. So, I mean, there's nothing better than that. So then what happened? You just. So I said, now I've got to get a real job. Oh, wow. After all this. So I opened Krusty Tubbs with Tom Smith. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's real. Wow. A real job. No, wow. so I did that. Uh, so I said, you know, I always wanted to open a, a vintage drum store online. So we did that. Yeah. It's about seven years ago, actually. That's cool. And so, um, you know, because we both have vintage drum collections. Sure. And I continued playing, you know, throughout those years. Yeah. But I wasn't playing professionally anymore. Okay. I was doing some church gigs and, you know, something here, filling here and there, but not really playing. Yeah. Um, so I said, I better get my chops back. Yeah, to yeah. speed at some point. Oh boy! So I, I I did that with Tom, and then I you know got into radio as well. Dave, do you have to leave right after this? We're gonna go long. <laughs> we're going a little long, right? Okay, cool. Okay, we're here. All right, go ahead. So I I started volunteering at WPKN in Bridgeport. Oh wow! And I got an on-air shift. Wow! So I have a show there. Yeah. And uh, that was in 2015, and then also um, I saw an ad for a. Uh, uh, kind of an advertising marketing position with WMNR, which is a classical fine arts station in, in Monroe, Connecticut. So I applied for that position. I got that gig. And so I have a show there as well. Hey. So I have a Sunday night show at WMNR called Fine Arts Forum. And I'm interviewing conductors and yeah, artistic yeah, yeah. directors and music wow. directors and performers. Great stuff. Yeah, you yeah. Know, on the classical side primarily, yep. but also doing some theater. And you stuff had some like experience. That. You got your experience with that back yeah. in the day. Yeah, and then I also have my own show, which is called A Little Bit of Everything, and I can play anything that I want. Hey. So I have a pretty sizable collection of music at home I bet. that I can pull from. Wow. 
and I'm, I, I get servicing on a couple of different uh, uh, companies. So actually I'm hearing new stuff as well. Oh, cool. So I'm doing a mix of new and vintage. That's cool. Yeah. So they're still like, kind of like you're the guy, like you say, they want to know what you think. Yeah. 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 Say. Yeah. And, uh, and I get cool. to interview, you know, and meet people. That's, that to me is kind of the best part because, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the arts community here in Connecticut. There's okay. a ton of stuff going on. If you dig for it, yeah, yeah, man, it's unbelievable how many talented people there are. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. So wow. that's great. And yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and and I see, you know, friends like Vic, yep. and you know, Jim, yeah, and and Tom, and a lot of these guys that are still in yourself, you know, playing and getting out there. Yeah, and you guys are. I mean, it's just great to see that, you know. So I had a chance to play with the uh, Zambonis for a short time. Oh I was yeah, with sure. them For about a year and a half. Yeah, cool. And we had some great, great uh, shows yeah. as well. Yeah. So I got a chance to get back, you know, on the best seat of the house for, for a little while there. Sure. And now I'm playing a little bit here and there, but I don't have anything, you know, formal. Uh, so if you have right. anything for me, John, I'd be more than happy to take the gig. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Hey, yeah. that's cool. So that's it's great. Cool. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all about, uh, it's been. That's know, exciting. That's an exciting story. Mm. went all the way pretty much mm. so I, I i wish that i had written a lot of this stuff down you know because there's uh. a lot of funny things that happened along the way well, it's never too late right is it too late so no i'm actually writing them down now give me a couple a couple of funny ones i guess all right so that people would find interesting all right maybe you know. this is interesting i, I don't, don't know. know so i'm with polygram in boston i'm a merchandiser field merchandiser i'm covering the six states okay right? i'm putting yeah. up displays all this stuff kiss has a new album Called Creatures of the Night. Yeah, sure. You know that one? Yeah, I the blue and gold color. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. They're gonna do an in-store. Oh boy, that's that's in my purview. I'm hey. an in-store guy. I'm retail, right? Uh oh. Strawberries in Worcester. Oh wow. They're playing the Worcester Centrum. Sure. That night. Sure. So I go to the strawberry store. Yeah. I've got these rolls of creature, Creatures of the Night's posters. Yeah. And the night before, I had cut out these huge Kiss letters, the Kiss logo. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so I get to the store in the afternoon. The store is at seven o'clock or something like that. And the store—it's a huge store, by the way. And the store manager says to me, "Bob, take the whole back wall. It's all yours." Hey. Really? Whoa. Cool. Perfect. So this is like a thirty-foot wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And there's actually an entrance to the store from, which is where the band's going to be. Yeah. Gene and the guys are going to come in through this way, and they're going to stand behind a counter and sign the album. So I spend the, the entire afternoon. <laughs> Putting up Creatures of the Night posters, like yeah, the entire yeah. back wall. Yeah. So by this time, the store is filling up with all these kids fans. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's like it's got hundreds of these kids that are there to meet Kiss. Yeah. Right? And they're all got Kiss t-shirts. Yeah, and, and there you, know, you are. They, they, and there I am. So I've got the ladder. And so I grab the big K. Yeah. And I go, <laughs> go up the ladder. And it, I put the K up there. And all the kids are going like... Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like screaming. So I'm like, this is unbelievable. Wow. So like Just I'm, for the like K. I'm a rock star. Yeah. Yeah. Back down the ladder, get the eye. Right. Yeah. 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 Same deal. Yeah. Up the ladder, the kids are screaming. This is great. Going nuts. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so I get the two S's up there. The kids are like, unbelievable. This is like, they can't believe this is happening before their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And anyway, uh, they came in the other door. They oh. come, no, they oh. come in the back <laughs> way. And I just remember I'm standing next to, to Gene, and uh, the first thing he does is he turns around and he looks. 
We'll all be Henry Cavill. It's all right. That's it. And that was it. That's all you got that's for all, all that. That's all I got, yeah. yeah. Well, that, hey, that was all I wanted. That's right. That's all right? you're ever going to get. That's all I'm going to get, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that was that was really a great experience. Just the, wow. like just seeing those kids so passionate about yeah, about, yeah. Uh, yeah. kiss that time. That's funny. Well, lots of different things, you know. Uh, I thought you were going to say they came in the other door and sat behind <laughs> the counter that you'd like, oh, no. Wrong door. Yeah, yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Another time I had a band with me. A band was called uh, German Band, Fury and the Slaughterhouse. Okay, I don't know. RCA band had like one single here in the States. This okay. is when Tower Records were the yep. big deal in New York City and HMV and the big superstores. Sure. And so I take Fury in the Slaughterhouse. None of the guys in the band speak English really to speak of, but I'm taking them around to retail really just to do walkthroughs. Sure. Walkthrough is kind of like an informal <clears throat> in-store, right? You're not really selling. Okay. You're really just there to meet the managers and to say hi and gotcha. stuff like that. And it's like kind of a PR visit, you know? So I have a I have an intern with me in a in a, a, a rental car probably hurts I guess I don't know, but anyway, we uh, we like go up to 86th Street to HMV, bring the band in the store, we meet the guys, all that stuff. Everything's great. We go to Tower 72nd Street, you know, same thing. And I said to the intern, your job is to stay in the car because it's parking in New York's crazy. Sure, we're just going to be in the store for 20 minutes. Sure, we're going to stay with the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, okay. Move it if you have to or whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. So we do that, and the guys have got a gig in Brooklyn that night, actually. And now we're getting to, like, the last door downtown. And we go in and we do this, you know, the hand, shake the hands and kiss the babies, and everybody's cool. We come out. I see the intern standing outside the car. And I said, what's going on? He goes, I locked the keys in the car. Oh, yeah. I said, no, you didn't really. <laughs> he goes, yeah. So now I've got the band, the tour manager with me. They're already late for sound check. They have to get to Brooklyn now. It's rush hour. That is the most smashed window in history <laughs> instantly. <laughs> and I'm like, gosh, you know, oh, what to do? Oh, This guy walks down the street. And he looks at me and goes, you can't get in the car? I said, no, I Yeah, can't. right. He goes, I'll get you in. Yeah, yeah. He whips out. A blade. Yeah, yeah, sure. In the windshield. Yeah. Right. Pops the lock. Off you go. Yeah. Yeah. So only anyway, in New York. Anyway, only in New York. Anyway, yeah. but stuff like that, you know, it's just um, a lot of stories like that that were not so funny at the time. Were you cool then? Did you lose your cool uh, of course then? Of I was cool. <laughs> All right, last story. Yeah. Do you have time for one more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we're at dinner at City Crab with the band OMD. Okay. Remember the band? Orchestral or Maneuvers in the Dark. Right, you got it. It's Andy McCluskey and yep. one other guy. And uh, at the time now, I'm a sales rep. So I'm with the A&M people. And uh, we had accounts with us. And we had a buyer from Crazy Eddie with us. Okay. I was the Crazy Eddie sales rep, the King Carroll sales rep, and Nobody Beats yeah. the Wiz sales rep. Wow. But anyway, the buyer from Nobody Beats the Wiz was a very abrasive guy. Okay. Very abrasive. Wow. And Worse than a Crazy Eddie guy? Worse than Eddie Antor or Crazy Eddie. Wow. Did the commercials. Oh, right? okay. <laughs> kind of similar, kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so as we're having dinner, we're, we, you know, we're drinking. Sure. And we're, and we're getting drunk. Sure. Right. And we're having a good time. It's like a lot, a lot of laughs. And now the buyer, who was my buyer from, from uh, uh, Crazy Eddie, is getting pretty abusive to me. And finally, Andy McCluskey looks at me and goes, Mate, what's wrong with you? 
I said, what do you mean? He goes, this, is this guy's been hassling you all night. Yeah, you yeah. sit there. Yeah. You don't do any, you're like the Gandhi of the record business. Hey, <laughs> and the title was born. And the title was born. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amen. So that was Andy, so. Wow. Anyway, so it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. That's exciting. Yeah. Were you disappointed to leave the business, or were you just like, it was time? Uh, both. Yeah, okay. Yeah, both. You know, it was time, basically, and it was like, okay, uh, you know, my job was um, a lot of travel. Yeah. And um, a lot of late nights. Yeah. And a lot of going to shows and showcases yeah. and sitting in a car service at one thirty in the morning on Route 95. Yeah, yeah. In traffic. Yeah. Knowing that I wasn't going to be home for probably another 45 minutes. Yeah, sure. Knowing that I had to get up at 6 o'clock the next morning for marketing media at 9.30 or whatever it case right. is. It was like brutal stuff. You know, it was really, it was, it was you know, pretty much So you did every, days. so you, every, just every drop of blood you gave. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I live hey, in Easton now, but, you know, I took the train from Fairfield 21 years. Yeah, yeah. Doing wow. that commute, you know. And actually, when I was head of sales for Jive, they were located on 25th Street, so mm -hmm. it was three trains each way. Wow. So it was the train to Grand Central, it was the shuttle to Times Square, and then the So you weren't train. crying when it was over, you were like, okay. Yeah, it was like, no, okay, like, it's time all for right, I'm coming off the road. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, you know, so I, I networked for like the next year. Yeah. I'd go into Manhattan and I'd, you know, have lunch with somebody and, you know, see yep. somebody who's, and uh, talk about the possibility of a gig or whatever. But, yep. you know, nothing really transpired. And I was like, you know what? Then the radio thing came up and I was like, you know what? I kind of like doing this. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, not getting on the train. Yeah. You know, that's so all right. Yeah. So it kind of worked like it was supposed to kind of, I, I guess. I think it did. Yeah. Way. Yeah. And I still got good friends that are in the business. I hear you. You know, still doing it. How are we doing, Dave? We're, we got to wrap it up? Okay. Uh, I don't want to wrap it up, but you got to come back because we didn't talk about music. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. right. Yeah. Do it real quick. How long we got? Oh, shit. Okay, five minutes. All right. Desert Island Albums. So, okay, so I prepared this one because okay. I've been listening to a couple of podcasts. I'm sorry that we ran out of time. All right, no, that's, not, that's okay. So I'm going to say the first three Hendrix albums. Okay. That's number one. Sure. That's, that counts as one, right? Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. And then I have to consider, I think, three albums that really had the most impact on me as a kid. And in no particular order, it's going to be Freak Out. Oh, okay. Yep. And it's going to be Trout Mask Replica by Captain Wow. And it's going to be the ventures on stage. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. You know, yeah. So, that covers a lot of ground. Yeah. And wow. Like yourself. I mean, I, I spent my teenage years playing along to albums. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So Mitch Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Was the king. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was listening wow. to one of your podcasts where you're talking about, you know, the jazz influence. Yeah. Especially with the British drummers, man. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. You know? So Mel Taylor. Yeah. From the ventures, obviously, yeah. you know, and um, huh. Mitch Mitchell yep. and Densmore. Yeah, right. You know, and yeah. uh, John Steele from the Animals. I mean, these guys, sure. they were just sure. such great technicians. Agreed. You know. Yeah, you got to come back. We didn't talk enough about music. All okay. right. Uh, Desert Island food, quick. Real quick. So um, I'm going to go with dim sum. Oh, okay. My girlfriend's Chinese. Interesting. Okay, there you go. Groovy. Um. 
you gotta you gotta come back. We ran out of time. I don't want to run out in the middle, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call it right now. Thank you. That was very interesting. I'm I'm glad Thank I heard you, that John. whole story. No, that's cool. I, I really like your podcast, man. You're doing the great stuff. Oh, thanks. Yeah. There's a lot of history here, and it's great that you're documenting it. I'm that's where my head is at now. I Good. just go, you know, we're putting all these and you yeah, you were like at the center of a bunch of dots that I did not know about. So this is good. This is good. The man behind the curtain, I guess. The Gandhi of the record business. Right? <laughs> right? That's it. All right. I'm gonna press the button. I'm sorry. I hate to, to rush this out, but here I go. There you are. John Patton Podcast. Bob Anderson is here. Very, very interesting. So you guys do this again. Uh, come over the bridge, look at the lights, go to the left. Uh, like and subscribe whatever you gotta do uh, listen for Bob's show we'll put some links in find out what's going on alright thanks a lot kids thanks for listening I appreciate it drive safe that is all